the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, and that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present with us in the Holy Eucharist, our topic of conversation with him, I'm almost reluctant to reveal the topic, but then you'll be distracted wondering what the topic is, because the term in itself doesn't produce too much excitement. Kind of a bad way to begin a meditation or a preaching. My topic is boring. It's called unity of life. Why this topic? Well, because Saint Jose Maria made it clear under no uncertain terms that there needs to be a common thread present when we're praying, when we're with family, when we're playing sports, when we're partying, when we're sleeping, that this common thread be present among the very diverse and varied activities that mark our day, that mark our life. And what is that common thread? Well, one is a cause and one is an effect. Let's begin with the effect. At the end of his public life, the grand finale of his teaching, he unveils his own commandment, his own personal commandment. Until that time, all his teachings were a perfection of the Ten Commandments. These perfections took the form of humility, of bearing cross, praying constantly, spirit of service. And now he condenses all his teachings into love as I have loved, and he says the common effect of his follower is that they know that we are his disciples on some level. It's not a problem that people notice that we have defects, that we're sinful. No one's immune to that unless we're immaculately conceived and according to the catechism, you're not, I hope I don't hurt feelings. We have defects, and they're real. But within that vessel of clay, a term used by St. Paul, our M.O. is to give away, because we love, because we're joyful, because we have affection, because we have kindness, that we are followers of Jesus. So that is the common baseline, that's the effect of every follower of Christ, that we're a little different. 
not when it comes to work, not when it comes to personality, but we're a bit different when it comes to love. Maybe I could use a sports analogy. You're the faithful remnant. Very interesting, exciting sporting events in this part of the city have taken place. Another one going on. I don't want to know the score of the game right now. I don't want to get distracted, let alone discouraged. Uh, and with the Cubs fresh in our mind, they won two to one. And you have a diversity of positions, diversity of abilities. Certain people are in the heart of the batting order because they more reliable hitters, long ball hitters. Some are very skillful fielders, so they play the infield positions. Some are good in snagging high flies and balls that go to the warning track. But there is, when you watch them play, you notice, well, these reflexes are incredible. They're a work of art. The way they feel the balls with such quickness, such uncanny eye-to-hand coordination. How they make these diving catches with these very fast ground balls and jump up and hurl that ball to first base and get the guy out. It's a work of art. It's a beautiful skill to watch. Quickness, hitting ability. But you see the common denominator. These people, these guys, these young men are very gifted in, in their ability to field, their ability to see a ball coming in 90 plus miles an hour and actually hit the thing. They all have that ability, that, that, that common denominator of uncanny eye-to-hand coordination, uncanny reflexes, speed, quickness, expressed in different positions, in different roles in the game. When St. Paul was addressing the early Christians in the instruction manual or his epistles, I don't think I'm mistaken, but probably literally every letter in a way, every epistle in the New Testament makes a strong exhortation to give others an experience of Christ. And it makes sense. That's our Lord's commandment. But in a tough environment, at least academically, they don't want to hear about the gospel because it's such a contradiction to their lifestyles, to their behavior. I mean, our Lord sets an impossible bar. This culture, just like ours, was gripped with a pandemic of hedonism, of perverted hedonism. And Jesus says, I don't even want an impure desire. I don't even want a lustful look. It's a no-no on my team. And in a, such a violent environment, our Lord says, well, the mark of the Christian is that he has to be loving his enemies and praying for them, and, and the all-stars on my team wash feet. 
that's my message. I want you to be a good foot washer. So it's completely contradictory to the mindset of the people. And we're in the same situation, very similar. And so Jesus, for a multitude of reasons, issues this commandment that they will understand the language of affection, of kindness. Doesn't mean we don't say the truth, but if they're going to listen to the truth, first they have to experience that we are disciples of Christ, marked by this unity of life that we give an experience of Christ through our joy. I was reading some reports of St. Jose Maria's visits to hospitals. In those hospitals during the early 30s, there were infectious diseases that had no cure then. And these hospitals were packed with sick people who were left there to die. There's no cure. A lot of loneliness, a lot of pain, dread, because you knew you weren't going to leave. And fortunately, they obtained some of the diaries of these sick people. To be exact, a sick sister of apparently the first woman of Opus Dei. I guess writing a diary was pretty common in those days. And both the sister and the sick sister were jotting notes, jotting thoughts, journaling, as we would say today. And they were saying that when Don Jose Maria, St. Jose Maria, Don Jose Maria would come in, people would be in good moods. He would lift spirits. People would be happy. And don't want to exaggerate, but they even appreciated that they were in the hospital because they got a chance to exchange words with him and be consoled by him. That he brought a lot of joy to the sick patients and they looked forward to having him there because they benefited tremendously from his joy, his fatherly and I would say motherly heart. And one of the patients he visited he said, how are you? He said, well, I'm being treated with charity, but my mother treated me with affection. And he took that very much to heart, and he just poured out his affection for these people. So much so that they were very eager, very anxious that he come because of the love he had. And so Jesus says that not only we must love as he has loved, that people have to notice that we love. That's the common denominator. Now, Lord, help me. We're here to pray and meditate on Jesus' words. Help me not to give in to false humility. I could label myself too. Well, I'm not the touchy-feely type. Well, I don't know if our Lord used that term in the gospel. Amen, amen, I say to you, you must be touchy-feely. <laughs> so I think I'm okay if I'm not. If you are, go for it. It doesn't matter. It depends what kind of temperament you have. 
nothing wrong with it. But if you don't have it, don't worry about it. Or we can be overly psychologized. Does it, is it a factor? Of course it's a factor. Well, in my house, it was a very dutiful house. I never was reassured. I was never affirmed. Especially if you're from the older generation, that's certainly the common case. Or no one told me explicitly that they valued my existence. All right. Or never received, you know, a well-timed hug when I really needed it. Or I don't have any role models, or there's dysfunction in my background, whatever it is. Well, Lord, you're not going to consign me to do the impossible. It used to happen in Rome many years ago because St. Jose Maria got together with a bunch of Americans, and he was encouraging, but he said, you know, we need more heart. He said, you, you work too hard, you're too focused on work, you got to really show more affection and love. And he said... Americans need to do this. Americans need more heart. And we're so law-abiding that, that I want to put into some context, his successor being a blessed, he was in charge of Opus Dei when I was studying in Rome, and we'd have get-togethers, did you have any questions? And every American would say the same thing. Uh, you know, Father, uh, what do we do to have more heart? And he finally said, okay, basta, no more. You have heart. Please don't misinterpret what St. Jose Maria said. He said you need to have more heart, but you do have heart. You've got to show it. Basically, he said, don't ask that question anymore. <laughs> and with us Americans, Lord, well, you know, it's, you know, it's a hectic culture. And it's a result-oriented culture. It's, all, it's only getting worse. It's not getting better. And our Lord doesn't say this either. A new commandment I give you. Barring Americans, you must love one another as I have loved you. It doesn't say that. Last time I checked, there's no immunity given to Americans. He doesn't give the Americans a pass. He doesn't say that. This is a new commandment. You must love one another as I have loved you, unless you come from a dysfunctional background. He doesn't say that. So I guess I could do it. I guess I can give an experience of you, Lord, on some level. So that's the common effect I must have on others. How do I do it? That's the heart of the matter. How do I have this heart of Jesus? The problem isn't, how should I put it, isn't my character and temperament it has flaws. But that's not, that's not a problem. It's not an obstacle to giving others an experience of Jesus Christ. One anecdote I remember, this gentleman converted his niece, and uh, basically his point was, listen, if I could do it, anybody could do it. That's what the guy told me. And he, he said, because the reason why she converted, he went to a, a family reunion, and the niece noticed, well, wrote him, wrote him a letter. After he went to this family reunion, she said, you know, I, I, I'd like to talk to you more at length. And she said, you know, because I, I never really liked you. You were not a nice person. In fact, I dreaded you coming to the reunion. How's that for encouragement? She said, but I actually like you now. Are you on meds? What kind of meds are you taking? 
Who's your counselor? Can we talk some more? And she was just, please, you've undergone a change. There's another side to you. I kind of like it. So what kind of meds are you taking? I'm happy, better late than never, that you're getting counseling. And he said, I am getting counseling. It's called confession. <laughs> it's a sacrament. He, he was basically atheist slash agnostic, no religion, irreligious. And he had to really convince her that it was his own connection with Jesus through the sacraments, through prayer, through recollections like this. And it was enough to bring her into the church. This common cause is that I seek Jesus Christ. I mean, I can't love with his heart. I know it's, it's getting late, it's uh, 10 after 9 or whatever it is. But if I just said, hey, give people an experience of Christ and said, okay, let's get out of here and finish with benediction, I would be doing you a terrible disservice because that's impossible to do that. Even if we had great personalities, even if we got you know, intermittent hugs and words of affirmation all our lives, that's not going to give us that heart of Christ. St. Maria said this to the first ones who received his direction and his formation in the way. When I made you a present of that life of Jesus, I wrote in its inscription, May you seek Christ. May you find Christ. May you love Christ. These are three very distinct steps. Have you at least tried to live the first one? And I would say the common effect is giving people an experience of Jesus. The cause of sticking out because of our love is habitual seeking of Christ, not disjointed devotions, but a continuous state of seeking our Lord. It takes, in big part, it takes the form of my work, the work I'm doing, that I start to do it for Him, that I turn it into prayer, not as easy as it sounds. It's simple, but it's not easy that it become an act of love, that I am in his presence, that I struggle against temptation, that I see Christ in others, that I make good use of the in-between moments to speak with him, that I'm always looking for him. And, and that's the analogy he gives. I'm the vine, you're the branches. What does that mean? That we have to always be with him. He says, you're the light of the world, but he, he, we're light insofar as that we radiate his light. He's the only light of the world. And it's wonderful that, you know, we encourage it, it's that we take the time and spend an hour, half hour, whatever it is, in front of the exposed blessed sacrament. But that's just the beginning. It has to be a constant seeking of him. That's why St. John Paul, who coined the phrase new evangelization. Francis refines it even more. He concretizes it. Says that it always transmitting joy. And they both say the same thing. John Paul says that, what is this new evangelization? Well, it always begins by revealing the face of Christ. I mean, it's, what does that mean? It always means showing affection, showing joy. That's the face of Christ. We don't have to look like young Jewish men. It, it means showing the kindness of our Lord. 
And he says, but in order to reflect the face of Christ, to transmit this love, no, it's not brute effort. It's not muscling our, our way through this. But it consists in being a contemplative. In other words, we're seeking Christ. And contemplative is different than disjointed devotions, even though that's something very lofty. Contemplative means kind of a constant connection with him. And so St. Josemaria says the following again, and I guess this is the vision of, of, of unity of life. Apostolic zeal is a divine madness I want you to have. It has these symptoms. Hunger to know the master. Constant concern for souls. Perseverance that nothing can shake. That's unity of life at its best. It's that hunger to know him. Not dutiful performance of devotions as much as hunger to know him. And connect with him through the medium of work, through the medium of silence, through the medium of suffering, through the medium of family life, through the medium of recreation, through the medium of partying, that we're always looking for him. We're always trying to dialogue with him. All of us need to make a personal resolution, embracing that disposition of seeking him out more habitually. And we put these sentiments in this very special month of the rosary that commemorates the 100th anniversary of the last apparition in Fatima. We ask Our Lady of the Rosary for her prayer of intercession so that she obtained for us that grace of unity of life, that grace of constantly seeking out her son. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.